Amen, amen. Thank you so much uh, to our worship team and just a, a great blessing to be able to gather uh, this morning and to worship our great God. And this song um, really has become just kind of a theme song in the midst of uh, this series that we're in as we look at the life of Joseph and uh, has been just an encouragement to me in the midst of that. And this morning, I, you know, I come and, and many of you have heard uh, that on Friday we lost a young man uh, in the midst of our congregation and um, Caleb Pate uh, was killed in a car accident on Friday and you know this weekend I've had the blessing of being with a family that is worshiping God in the midst of this very difficult situation in the midst of this difficult time and I, I think about the words to that song that you know, it takes real faith in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of difficult times, in the midst of those hard moments in our life to say, you know what, God, even when we can't see it, we know that you're working, God, and that we see that there's a bigger, there's a bigger story, God, and there's more happening than we can see with our eyes. And in light of eternity, God, we know that you love us and, God, that you are working in the midst of our lives. I want to let you know a, a few things about um, just the... the Situation with Caleb, there, there will be a service here tomorrow, a memorial service for uh, Caleb. They're going to be receiving friends from 1130 till 1 with a memorial service taking place here uh, at 1 o'clock in the traditional sanctuary. And so uh, the funeral home's helping us guide some of those details, and uh, we'll be practicing social distancing and uh, just walking through that time uh, together. Uh, we also will be streaming that service uh, on our uh, Facebook page and also on our Cowie Baptist website. Uh, so when you go to the main page tomorrow, you'll find a live stream of that service at one o'clock as well. So we want to make uh, that available for folks to be able to be uh, part of as we walk through this time together with the Pate uh, family. And we just appreciate your prayers for them and uh, just your prayers as they uh, just walk through this. And again, it's been a uh, just a joy to see their faith in the midst of this and just the the desire that they have for us to come together and, and worship uh, our, our great God and, uh, and the hope that we have in Christ gives us strength for the midst of uh, anything that we face. And so this morning as we jump into this series in, the, in uh, just looking at the, at the life of Joseph, I'm thankful that God is working in the midst of our lives. I'm thankful that we have a God who is working on us in the midst of our story to prepare us for the work that he wants to do through us in the midst of his story. Now when we think about this morning and we think about what we're able to do today as you sit in a parking lot and if you're uh, tuned I think to 89.9 you're able to, to listen uh, through your radio. Uh, it's great to see some of you out and you know up, up I see some, some kids out in the top of their car and a big kid uh, on his truck there, so I see, uh, I see those kind of things. It's a blessing that we have the ability through technology. Some of you are watching on our social media page, you're watching on our Facebook page, or on our website, and you know, technology has come a long way. I can remember when uh, we we kind of bought the first TV that had a remote. I can remember my dad uh, going to Lowe's, and I think it was Joe Moffat, uh, uh, Randy, and uh, excuse me, uh, Ron and Francis's uh, son-in-law. Uh, was working there, and I can remember him being a salesman. He was talking to my dad, and he says, uh, 
you know, he said, these new TVs, he said, you're going to want something on those. He said, they got this new thing, and you're going you're gonna to have to have this. And he said, it's called a remote control. You don't even have to get up out of your seat. And I'll never forget my dad uh, looking at him, and he said, well, anybody that needs one of those, he said, they're too lazy to get out of their seat. There's no need for anything. He said, I, I just want a plain old TV. Right, And then I can remember for the next you know, 10 or 15 years of my life while I lived at home, uh, the biggest thing that we had to figure out was, was where we put the remote. Right, where did, who, Who's got the remote? And I would always, well, as much as I could without getting in big trouble, remind him, I was like, we don't need a remote. Right, Anybody that, that's too lazy to get out of a chair and turn a channel, I didn't say that, but like once or twice. But, you know, we've come a long way when it comes to technology. Fact is, in 1937, the first full-length animated feature film was released it was released by disney and they released this movie it was snow white and the seven dwarfs right some of you um have seen that maybe in a newer version some of you might have watched some of the older version of that and in that time producing a movie was a big task now you that are maybe teenagers that are here listening you're thinking you know what i watch movies through a cell phone in my we don't even have to worry about a remote because we're all watching something different streaming on netflix in our uh, house at the same time and so we're uh, we're in kind of a different generation but it was a big deal now as we get started i want you to do something now uh, we're going to have a little confession time so if you're in a car with somebody else uh, i wish you could talk back to me but you probably remember some of the dwarfs right you had the seven dwarfs and and you had some of them you had like grumpy i think was one of them you had dopey happy i want you to look at your neighbor in your car and say you know what during the last week of this uh, covid19 quarantine i think i probably i'm probably more like this dwarf right just tell them and and don't tell the other person right because if you say you know what i think you're you're grumpy it might not always go well but you can you can look and you can kind of tell each other who that is I think I would have a different dwarf, like hangry, right, if we get hungry and don't have food. But, but these Disney artists, to make this movie, they drew over one million pictures. Kind of blew my mind to think about how that first film was created. You know, we edit videos, and we're blessed with a, a tech team to be able to do all these crazy things. We're streaming them live. But there was over one million pictures, and each one of these pictures flashed on a screen for one twenty-fourth of a second. So... If we had a screen here, I'd, I'd show you some pictures of what was drawn to make that movie. So these artists made over one million pictures that then were used to put this movie together. And when you watch this movie at regular speed, it all seems so simple. And what we don't know is everything that actually went into making this movie, right? All the things that were going on behind the scenes. And, and I want to encourage you this morning with this thought, that our lives are like that movie in some ways, right? We are in the midst of this fast-paced world that we live in. We're in the midst of all these things that are happening. But I want you to know that we have a God who is sovereign over all things and who in the midst of all those things is putting infinite, I think about the, the artistic design and the detail and all the things that went into every small little picture that then somehow was flying through in such a way that it looked like that movie was taking uh, place at regular speed. And as our lives go through uh, just the craziness of life, sometimes we have no idea how much God is at work in every scene, in every moment. And we see that so powerfully in the life of Joseph. Now, I want to summarize in case you're just joining with us that uh, Joseph 
uh, we see, was the favorite son of his father, uh, Jacob. Now, he, like most teenagers, I kind of like to think that uh, Joseph liked to sleep because we know that Joseph, when he was about 17, he was having these dreams, right? And we see uh, that these dreams were maybe some dreams that he should have kept to himself, right? His first dream, he's like, he's telling his brother, he's like, hey, come here. Let me tell you, I had this dream. Uh, I had this dream. Let me tell you about it. I don't know if he ever does that in the morning. Like, I've even had people get up in the morning and be mad at me. Not really, but kind of looking at me, man. I'm like, what's wrong? And they're like, well, in my dream last night, you did this. I'm like, I didn't do it. It was a dream. But Joseph gets up. He says, let me tell you about my dream. And he begins to tell him. And the first time, he says, hey, uh, bros, he said, by the way, uh, in my dream, you guys are all bowing down to me. Then he has another dream. In the second dream, he says, hey, uh, mom and dad and uh, family, you are all uh, bowing down to me. Now, they didn't think too much of that. fact is, his brothers hated Joseph, and we see that in this scene, they are uh, tending his father's flock, and, uh, and Jacob sends Joseph to check on them, and when they get there, they are furious with him. They take him, they strip his coat, they put him in the midst of a pit, and their plan is to kill him. Now, there's uh, just God uh, at work in all of these details. A brother says, hey, maybe we can find a another way. And then all of a sudden, there's these gypsies that are coming through. And, and as they're coming through, they say, hey, well, why don't we sell him to them? That's a good idea. Let's, let's just sell him. Rather than kill him, we'll make a little money uh, off of him. They take the coat off that they had torn off of Joseph. They kill a goat. They put this blood on the coat. They go back, and, and they go back to their dad, and they say, hey, here is, we found this coat does this coat belong to Joseph? And in the midst of this story, and his dad is broken, he says, I, I'm never going to get over this. And we see just this trouble and this, this deception and all these things that are taking place. And here Joseph is, 17 years old. The Midianites, the ones that, that bought him, they, uh, they take him and they sell him in Egypt to Potiphar. Now, Potiphar is uh, Pharaoh's officer, right? He is the captain of the bodyguard. He is uh, a serious dude in the midst of that. And as we read all these things, and we're going to see how this continues to intertwine today as we continue in God's Word, but we see that Joseph seems to be the center of this story, right? When you read this story, and in fact is, <clears throat> so much of the book of Genesis is given to this story. <clears throat> and as we read it, it seems like Joseph is the center of this story, but we see that Joseph's story is part of a much greater story. His story is part of God's story, and God is working in the midst of this story. Joseph is a supporting actor, and I want to encourage you today to, if we're in Christ, and Scripture says that we're His workmanship, created for good works, right, that we are God's poeme, that He is is molding us and working us, and we are in Christ, His masterpiece, created for good works that He has prepared beforehand since the foundation, since before the foundation of time. And it's hard to picture all the things that are going on. But God allows you and I to be part of His story. And I want to tell you a few things about that. He's working in the midst of that for His glory and for our good. We can know a few things about that. God is with us. Number one, God is with us. He is working, number two. And the thing that I want you to hear today, and if I was to title this sermon, it would be, he's still working on me. If that's you, honk your horn if you say, you know what, God's still working on me. I'm not there. All right. 
or we're not there, right? And I love that little song, right? Because sometimes whenever we think we've arrived, that's when we know we're in a mess because we know, listen, we're not there, and God is still working on me. He's working on us, but what I want you to see is that he is working on us, preparing us for the work that he's going to do through us. So God's working on us, and he's preparing us for the work that he's going to do through us. He's working on us in the midst of our story and what is so uh, at the forefront of our lives, and he's working on us in the midst of our story, but he's preparing us for work that he desires to use us to do in the midst of his story. So Joseph sold into slavery to Potiphar. He becomes in charge of all that Potiphar has, right? He becomes uh, in charge of everything. He, he, Potiphar has to worry about nothing except what he's going to eat. And we know in, in that culture that there was a big deal with all that, right? With these, uh, We're going to see uh, in this next story, we're going to see that there was a cupbearer, right? And there was a, uh, a chef and there, there was this baker. There's these things. There's, there's a big deal about this food and protecting uh, those people like like. Uh, like we're going to see with, with Pharaoh. But when Joseph is serving Potiphar, his wife takes a fond uh, affection to him and tries to tempt Joseph, tries uh, to get him in a mess. And Joseph says, you know what, I'm uh, not going to sin against God in the midst of this. He resists that temptation. He does the right thing. And in the midst of this time where he does the right thing, all of a sudden he ends up in a mess. And he ends up uh, being betrayed. He ends up uh, alive being told him. He ends up in prison right we see that and and when the wrong thing happens right when we do the wrong thing and we get into trouble some of us when we face the consequences of that right some of you young people you might say you know what when I get in trouble sometimes the punishment sometimes the things that happen from that I get weary uh, of all that but Joseph did the right thing and then he still ended up in prison but Joseph in that situation he didn't really get to choose much of what was going on uh, in his circumstances but in every place that we can see in the midst of this time, Joseph is making the right decisions what, for the things that matter most in his circumstances. Let's pick up in Genesis chapter 40. That's where we are today. And Scripture says this, Then it came about, after these things, the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. So the cupbearer and the baker, there's this, this extreme trust that has to take place there. We don't know what uh, has caused uh, the, the, uh, them to offend uh, their lord, it says, the king of Egypt. But Pharaoh was furious with them. He was furious with the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. And in verse 3, Scripture says he put them in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard in the jail, the same place where Joseph was in prison. Now, God's providence and God's work is, is all over this, right? And when we sing that song, even when we can't see it, he's working. Even when we can't feel it, He's working. We see that so much in this passage. Now, the captain of the bodyguard put Joseph in charge of them. Imagine that. And he took care of them, and they were in confinement for some time. So we see that they're, they're there for a season. Then the cupbearer and the baker for the king who were confined in jail both had a dream the same night, each man with his own dream and with and each dream with its own interpretation. So Joseph comes to him this next morning. The, the Scripture says that he uh, observed them. So he, he sees them, and behold, they were dejected. And he asked Pharaoh's officials who were with him in confinement in his master's house, Why are your faces so sad 
today. Now, here's Joseph, wrongly imprisoned, and, and he's doing the right thing still. He's serving well. He's been put in charge. Now he's in charge uh, of these people, and, and he sees that they're weary. He sees that they're sad this morning, and it would have been very easy for Joseph to have just had a pity party with them because that's what's easy to happen sometimes. And we're around somebody that's sad, we can figure out how we should be sadder. Like, right, you, you say, you know what, hey, I heard you guys had, uh, uh, you know, what? why are you so sad? I'm sad. Like, I did nothing wrong, and now I'm down here with you guys. You guys did this or you guys did that. We can get in that kind of thing, and it's easy for us to focus on our own mess and miss opportunities to do good. You know, we've got a lot of opportunities in the midst of this time that we're in, but we can focus on ourselves or we can focus on what God can do with us in the midst of those circumstances. They said to him in verse 8, he says, We had a dream, and there's no one to interpret it. Then Joseph said to them, and I love this part, and I want you to see there's, there's some change that's taking place in the life of young Joseph. In the beginning, when he is talking to his brothers, he's like, ah! had a dream listen you guys are bowing down to me he's got this kind of way about him but in this place joseph is completely different he says we've had a dream and there's no one to interpret it and joseph said to them do not interpretations belong to god tell me it please that'd have been easy for him to say oh man i don't even talk to me about dreams I don't want to hear anything about that. Uh, let me tell you about my dreams. Or it could have been that they said, hey, do you know anybody that interprets dreams? And Joseph said, well, you just happen to be in the right place because I am the dream master. I'm able to do. He could have said all those kind of things, but, but he was careful to say, isn't God the author of that? Now, we live in a time where I'm very, very cautious of people that say uh, anything about God told me. Like when somebody says, hey, I need to share something with you, God told me. I'm always pretty cautious of that, right? I'm always... Uh, a little bit uh, leery of those kind of things. And people may come to you and they say, you know what, we're looking for counsel about something. People might say, hey, I'm going through this difficult time. I'm not sure what to do in the midst of, of this situation. And so uh, what do you think? And they might say, you know what, here's what's happening in my life. Here's what's happening with my kids. Here's what's happening with my marriage. Here's what's happening in my workplace and here's what I think and here's what I feel and here's how I'm feeling this and this is what I'm thinking about doing and and many times we want to say and we want to speak into that and I thank God that people look to us and, and hopefully look to you as a believer for that kind of advice and we've got to be so careful in what we respond because what really matters is not what we think or what we feel it's this is what the word of God says and this is where we as followers of Christ have got to know what the word of God says I got a message on Friday that just stirred my heart and made me so happy there was somebody that in the midst of this quarantine had said you know what my work situation was different there are things that had changed about that but I finished reading the Bible fully all the way through and now I've got a hunger to study his word and to know his word and I want to remind you that that the Bible is complete right that we have the finished work of God that has revealed everything that we need to know from this moment until eternity and from eternity past we have everything that we need to know now that doesn't mean that God doesn't work miracles that he doesn't speak if God chooses to speak uh, through a, a dream or a vision I'm not saying that God can't do all those things God speaks to us in the in the power of his spirit in a still small voice but what I can say is that anything God uh, reveals to anybody is going to line up exactly with his word anything that is stirred on your heart is going to line up with his word if it is 
from him. And we've got to be careful that we are willing to share and, and that we are cautious to share, not our opinion. Scripture says there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. And says to guard our heart above all things, right? For it's deceitfully wicked. We've got to be careful about our opinions that are not based and founded in the word of God. So the chief cupbearer, verse 9, tells his dream to Joseph and says to him, In my dream, behold, there was a vine in front of me. So he tells him about this dream, and I'm not going to read every piece of this dream, uh, but he goes on and he tells him about it. And Joseph, in verse 12, if you want to skip down to there, says this is the interpretation of it. He goes on in verse 13, and he says, Within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office, and you will be put and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to your former custom when you were the cupbearer. So he says, hey, man, in three days, everything's going to be looking good for you. It's going to be good. You're going to be restored. This is an exciting interpretation, right? He's like, God has revealed this. This is great. And when people come to us and, and seek advice and they're walking through different things in the midst of their life, it is great when we can say, you know what? It is awesome. Like what you're doing, the fact that you're engaging in the Word of God and the fact that you're growing in that and you have a desire to study and you have a desire to grow and the decisions that you're making, I know that they're tough, but this is where they line up with the Word of God. Those are the kind of conversations that I love to have. Man, those are the kind of conversations that we're like, yes, this is awesome. Now, the chief, now, now Joseph goes on, and, and he says, this is what's going to happen. And then in verse 14, he says, hey, only keep me in mind when it goes well. When you get back, Pharaoh, he says, man, keep me in mind. Don't forget me. And do me kindness by mentioning me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. He says, I, I, I didn't do anything wrong. He says, I was kidnapped in verse 15 from the land of the Hebrews. And even here, I have done nothing that they should have put me in the dungeon. He says, all this stuff has happened and I'm in this mess. And he says, all I'm asking of you is whenever you get back, he says, whenever you are restored, he said, don't forget me. Don't forget me. That's it. Now, the chief baker sees that Joseph's interpretation was good and he goes on and he talks about, and, and these dreams are kind of weird. Like sometimes we have just weird things. And he says, you know, in my dream, there were like three baskets of white bread on my head. I, I was thinking maybe that's like a quarantine dream when we couldn't find bread or toilet paper. Like some people having dreams are like, I found three rolls of toilet paper and there was white bread on my head. I don't know. But in the midst of this, there's, he, he goes into these things, talks about the baskets and all the things that are there. And then he gives him this interpretation in verse 19. And he says, within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and will hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat your flesh off of you. Now, that's not an easy thing to answer, right? Joseph's like, it would have been pretty tempting to say, mm, I don't know about your dream. It seems a little weird. Um, I'm not quite sure what to say about this situation, but I hope everything works out good for you. But Joseph's like, hey, here's what's going to happen. It's not always easy to answer and to give advice in the midst of, the brokenness of this world that we live in, right? It's not easy to speak truth into people's lives. And, and as followers of Jesus Christ, we've got to be people that are, uh, that are filled with grace and truth, right? That have been changed by the grace of God, that don't have a holier-than-thou attitude, but that are willing to engage in that way. And, and, and we can't be a people that approves sin, right? We can't be a people that when somebody comes and says, hey, this is the situation and this is what's going on and here's what I'm thinking about doing and here's what I'm feeling, we've got we've to make sure that we are truthful from the Word of God, right, and that we share just the truth as we see in this passage. Now, it comes about that he makes this feast. We see this, and he restored the cupbearer, verse 22. He hanged the chief baker. So everything that Joseph shared came just the way it had been predicted right just as the way joseph had shared with him just as the way god had given him the ability to interpret but in verse 23 it says yet the chief cupbearer did not remember joseph 
but forgot him. So the cupbearer is restored. Everything's going good with him. And here's Joseph still in the prison. Here he is still in the midst of this, this difficult situation. Here he is still in that place. You know, in, in my Bibles, I was reading this. When we go from chapter 40 to chapter 41, in my Bible, there's a kind of a large space in between those two chapters. And in verse 41, it says, Now it happened at the end of two full years. And so in the midst of that little white space that's in your Bibles, and you may see that, you may see that white space as you're reading along with me, but in the midst of this little space where we don't have anything recorded, in the midst of this little white space, there is a place where it seems like, maybe from our perspective, that God is not working, right? And in the midst of those, that white space to you and me as we read that was two years for Joseph, two years of Every night saying, you know, I, I, wonder, I wonder if the cupbearer is going to remember me. I wonder, uh, I, wonder if, I wonder if he's forgotten me. I, I'm still down here. I haven't heard from anybody. I've been doing the right thing. He, here's day number, you know, check mark, whatever that is. Maybe he's, maybe he's keeping tally. I don't know what all that looks like. But here he is in the midst of that. And in the white space where we're suffering, where things are not going the way we had planned and where things are happening, I believe with all my heart God was continuing to do something in Joseph's life that was preparing him for what he was going to do with him uh, in the midst of the future. And when we're, we're operating in the midst of a greater story where God is allowing his redemption plan to take place in the midst of our lives and he is using and desires to use his people, he allows us to be part of his story, God is working on us to prepare us for work that he's going to do in and through us. And can I just tell you in the white space, I'm wondering, is Joseph thinking, hey, has God forgotten me? Has, has, has obviously the cupbearers forgotten me? Obviously, I'm still in this mess, but in the midst of all that, Joseph is still faithful. And I want to say this morning as we walk through this weird time, God has not forgotten you either. That in the midst of whatever things that we're facing, whatever things that are going on in the midst of our lives, God has not forgotten us. And in the, the, the most beautiful demonstration of God's providence, we see in this, this grand story that we see in all of Scripture that God was providing for His people through the incarnation of Jesus Christ, that Jesus w was going to step out from the glories of heaven, that He was going to take on flesh, the God that created all things. Scripture says that there was not one thing that exists that was not created by him and for him. And in the midst of that, in God's provision, we're separated from God because of our sin. And we see God's provision. We see his work in all the storyline of Joseph and the preservation of God's people. In the way that all these things work, we see that God is providing a Savior. And because of the work of the cross, I'm so thankful and I'm so glad to declare this morning that we don't have to worry about don't have to worry about being forsaken do you remember when Jesus cried out from the cross and he said my God my God my God my God why have you forsaken me when he took on all of our sin and all of our shame and all of our pain and all of of the the wrath of God was poured out on him the the, the penalty and punishment that I deserved poured out on the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Scripture says that He was forsaken, but I want you to know because He was forsaken, you and I never will be forsaken. We don't have to be forsaken because He was forsaken. Now this space we're in, it, it seems like a long time sometimes, but I want you to know in light of eternity, it won't even feel like space. 
and in the midst of our lives, in the midst of times where it seems like we can't see God at work, in the midst of times where we're wondering what He is doing, I want to thank God this morning that He is still working on me and that He is still working on you. God has been working, and you may be here and you may see it for the first time this morning. You may look back at the things that are happening in your life, and it blows me away to look back at my life and the different things from my childhood and the different things that, that uh, God had, had been doing in my life, the car accidents and the, the, the hard times and the different things that God used in the midst of my life to prepare me for the moments that I'm in now. And I'm in awe of the graciousness and the goodness of a sovereign God that's at work in all of those little pictures that we can't see, in all those little moments where that artist, as we see in that little first Disney movie, was just drawing all of these little scenes that God is at work in the details of our life, that we are not in the midst of this world by happenstance and that there are uh, th- there's no such thing as luck in God's economy, that we serve a God who is at work and who is aware and who will never leave us or forsake us. And maybe you're here today and you look back at your life and God has been working. He's been speaking to you and allowing you to see so many things in your life, drawing you to even maybe this very moment, right, where there are There's this story that God has been working and through the cross of Christ, He is inviting you into part of His family to be on mission with Him as part of His story as His kingdom is expressed through His people uh, until He returns. Maybe you're here today. You're a believer in Christ and maybe you're saying, you know what, in the midst of this darkness, I see that God is at work. And even maybe if I'm in a white space, even maybe if I'm in this thing, I, instead, of, instead of moping and instead of being in this moment where I'm going to say, oh, why, why is me? I'm going to look for ways to serve him. I'm going to look for ways to engage and, and be on mission uh, with him. I want to look in his life. God, what are you doing in the midst of this time in my life? God, what do you want to teach me? Because he is working individually in every one of our lives to conform us to the image of Christ to, to, to mold us and to shape us and to, to get us ready, right? Could you imagine that 17-year-old Joseph? We're going to see uh, him elevated to a place of power in Egypt where a place where he has the power where he could get even with his brothers. We're going to see all those things. Could you imagine that 17-year-old Joseph being placed in that place with the attitude he had, with the things that were there? He was a skilled young man. God had gifted him with incredible administration. He had gifted him with so many things that could be used and could be harnessed for, for, for good. But in those moments, he was nowhere near ready. And all of these circumstances, all of these things are preparing him for what God is going to do through him. How is he going to be able to resist the temptation of all the, the treasures and the things that, that would be entrusted in his care in Pharaoh's house if he couldn't be entrusted with the responsibility and, 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 the, and to do the right thing when, when Potiphar's wife came after him? How could he be entrusted to care for people and to, to work and, and to see uh, needs met and to forgive his brothers and to do all these things if he couldn't see a cupbearer uh, and, and, and a baker who were sad and were broken? And he said, you know what? Uh, in a time in his life before, I bet he would have been all about himself and the things that were going on, but he looked at them, right? And his brothers, when they were mad at him, you don't read any place in there where he looked and said you know what I see that my elevation in this coat that I'm wearing and the way that I'm prancing and the things that I'm doing are causing my brothers to be upset and are causing all those things Joseph's not noticing anything but here he is a few years later in a cupbearer and a baker in the midst of that and God has been working on him God's been transforming him God's been molding him into a usable vessel a, a vessel that could be 
used for the glory of his name in the midst of his story. And I believe with all my heart, God is doing that in our lives. Maybe you're here and you've never trusted Jesus. Maybe you're here and you've never placed your faith in Christ. But you see, God has been working. We want to invite you this morning in this very moment. You know, Friday reminded me of just the brevity of this life and just how quickly, how quickly we can go from one moment to the next and everything change. We are not promised tomorrow. There's a young man that that's no longer here with us, but I thank God because he had placed his faith in Jesus Christ that we know where he is. And, that, and because of that, there's families that can worship in the midst of tragedy and can praise God in the midst of dark times. And I want to tell you, this world is broken and we live in a mess. God never promises that he would, uh, that he would take us uh, away from that mess and that everything would be beautiful, that everything would uh, be rosy, but he promised that he would be with us. And as I looked at Becky's uh, Facebook page the very night that Caleb uh, had been killed in the car accident on her Facebook page, she shared and she said, even through the tears and even through the hard times and even through those things, God is with us. And that's the story that we see in Joseph, that in the midst of brokenness, in the midst of the good times, in the midst of the bad times, in the midst of everything that we face, we have a God who is with us and will walk with us and give us strength. We have a God that doesn't go to sleep. You know, in this story, uh, we see the cupbearer forget Joseph, but we have a God that, that intercedes on our behalf. We have a God that never sleeps or slumbers, that never gets distracted or discouraged, and we have a God who is with us. And if you are a child of the king, if you have repented of your sin, basically the word repent means you're going one direction and you turn and you have a change of mind and a change of direction and you go a different way. Jesus said, unless you repent, you'd all likewise perish. That, that we understand that, that our sin has separated us from a holy God, that there is nothing. God is perfect and holy and set apart. There is none like him. And because of our sin, we are separated from a holy God. But through the provision and the providence of God, Jesus came and he lived the life that you could not live, the life that I could not live. He lived a sinless life, became the perfect spotless lamb of God, the sacrifice that only he could give that would bring salvation and forgiveness, that would pay our due punishment, took on the very wrath of God, was forsaken so that we could be forgiven. And if you've never trusted Jesus, if you've never surrendered your life to him i want to invite you this morning you say you know what i've seen god at work in my life bringing me maybe even to this moment he's been at work even to get you to this place and i want to invite you to call on his name scripture says that if we confess with our mouth jesus as lord that means he's in charge not us and believe in our heart that god's raised him from the dead we know that jesus came that he lived a sinless life that that he died on that cruel cross that he was placed in a tomb and three days later on that third day he rose again and he has conquered death and sin and through a relationship with him we can have forgiveness and restoration with this holy god our sins can be forgiven and i want to invite you even in this moment to call on his name there's nothing magic about the words uh, of a prayer but if god is speaking to your heart and you say you know what i'm tired of going my own way i recognize that i'm separated from god and i want to turn and follow him i repent of my sins and i place my faith in jesus christ you can call on his name uh, even in uh, this moment. I want to give you that opportunity. We're going to take communion together uh, here in just a few moments. 
Uh, but I want to give you an opportunity, if you've never trusted Jesus, to call on his name even in this moment to pray and just confess that you're a sinner in need of his grace, in need of forgiveness, in need of restoration, that there's nothing that you could do to earn it, nothing that you could do uh, to be good enough to be in his presence. But through the work of God and through the cross, that he's done everything. The work is already done. And he says, now come to me and surrender. Let me be Lord of your life. And if to you, I pray this morning that you would surrender. You can pray uh, during this time. I want to give us just a moment. Uh, those of you that are believers, I want to just encourage you just to be praying uh, where you're at. If you've never trusted Christ, pray, confess your sin to him. Simply call on his name. Ask him to be the Lord of your life, to surrender your life to him. Say, God, my life is yours. God, I pray you would forgive me of my sin. God, I pray that you would forgive me of just turning my back on God, of, of living my own way. But Lord, I surrender my life to you life, God, and that you would transform it, God, that you would uh, would begin to work in my life in a way that God would change me, God, even in the midst of this moment, Lord, that you would make me a new creature, that you would transform me, that I might be able to be a service to you, God, I give you my life, I surrender my life to you, you are Lord, and I'm yours, in Jesus' name, amen. Maybe that's you. Maybe you, just in these moments, have trusted Christ for the first time, this very first time you've prayed uh, and, and just surrendered your life to Christ. Again, it's not about the exact words of a prayer, uh, but it's a condition of your heart where God is speaking to you and you're convicted of sin and, and just ready to surrender your life. If that pray that you will allow us to know that, that you will connect with us, that you will uh, allow me to, to spend time with you and just to talk about uh, what that looks like to be uh, to, to look at what it would look like to be baptized and take those next steps as a follower of Christ. If you're watching on our, our Facebook page, we encourage you to just send us a message to, to let us know of that decision, to, to maybe just to type in the comments, I surrender. If that's you, just be bold in those, those ways. And Scripture says that, that, that if we confess Him before men, that He'll confess us before His Father who is in heaven. And we, we, uh, if we can't mention it in these kind of moments, then it's going to be very difficult for us to live it. Uh, out there and if God's changed us on the inside we're going to be transformed on the outside for the world to see I want to invite you in these moments we're going to take uh, communion together uh, you should have received a, a packet uh, that that's uh, kind of all together in there you'll notice that there's a way to peel off just the top uh, layer you have to be kind of cautious with that there's a little purple uh, membrane there and then there's a clear uh, wrap on top of that and uh, if you are a child of God, if you have been saved, if there's been a time in your life where you repented of your sins and you surrendered to Christ, even if it was just in these moments, uh, just in these, these few moments ago, we invite you uh, to take part in this communion together. Uh, if there's any of you that, that do not have that and need it, if you'll uh, flash a light, let us know. We'll make sure to get that to you. But if you're a child of God, if you've been saved, there's been a time in your life where you repented of your sin and you uh, surrendered. Uh, we invite you to take part in this communion. You know, in this story, we see that the cupbearer did not remember Joseph. And we kind of get on him sometimes, but there are lots of times in my life that, that I might say, you know what, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And how easy it is that we can forget. We're not so much different from the people that we read about in Scripture. But I thank God that through this beautiful picture, this ordinance that he's given to the church, that he's done that in a, in a gift to us. 
It would help us remember and help us never forget the great sacrifice. Salvation is free, but it is not cheap. Man, it's the most costly thing that we could ever imagine. Scripture says, as Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 11, he said, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. Do something. I want to pray for us. I want to ask the Lord's blessing on this sacred time. What a joy it is even in these circumstances that we might be able to take part in this together. And this unites us. It's beautiful in the way that, that as we come together, remembering our Lord's death and looking forward to the return of Christ, we, we take these moments like this and we look we look back and we remember the great sacrifice that was given on the cross of Christ. We look back and we rejoice and we are so grateful. Man, lest we forget all the cost of our salvation, the, the great price. Scripture says that we've been bought with a price and therefore we are to glorify God in our bodies. Right? We're to live our lives surrendered wholly to Him. Knowing that and we're not the main part of this story but rejoicing in the blessing that we have of being part of God's story, of just supporting characters on mission for the glory of His name. And we look back and we remember that great sacrifice. Scripture says that we are to look within, that we're to examine ourselves, that we look within and we, we confess sin. It might be even in these moments that you say, you know what, God, today uh, is a day maybe I've, I've gotten off track. I know that I'm saved. I, I, I know that I have a relationship with you, but, but I've gotten distracted in the midst of this. I've gotten bitter in the midst of these moments. And God, I, God, I want to want to ask you to forgive me. Right? I love the the old writer, gospel writer, said that the old writer was, I believe it was, I can't even remember who wrote it, but it's one of my favorite quotes. He said, when I came to Christ, he said, I turned from as much as I knew of my sin to as much as I knew of my God. And as both of those things have enlarged, so is my practice of repentance. And, and maybe you're here and you say, you know what, I've, I've been distracted, I've been in that and God I recognize this morning just how great you are that you are in the midst of every detail and God I confess my sin confess God the places that I haven't trusted you I ask you to forgive me we look within but we're going to see at the end of this passage that we read that we as often as we take this we proclaim the Lord's death till he comes and so we look ahead knowing that in these moments in the dark times and the hard times and even in moments of loss like the Pate family's experiencing that that these things are temporal and that we look to a day when all things will be made whole and when our God will return in splendor and in majesty and glory and he's going to make all things right and I long for that day and so as we take this we look back and we praise God for all that he's done we look within and we say God here I am Lord purify me take my sin God I confess it Lord and I desire to be used by you for the glory of your name and we look ahead knowing that one day soon and I believe it's one day soon that he's going to make all things well and there's going to be no more heartache and no more suffering and no more pain I'm going to pray for us and we're going to take this together father we are so grateful Lord God, when we think of your grace, God, it is amazing, Lord, that you would save a wretch like me. God, as we come to this time, Lord, I am reminded, Lord, I once was lost, separated from you, God, but in your grace. God, you loved me. You pursued me. You saved me. And God, you're changing me. I'm so thankful this morning, God, that you're still working.
on me. God, that you're still working on us. Lord, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for the for the flesh that was beaten and torn and marred beyond even recognition in my place. God, we thank you for the blood that was shed. Your word tells us that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. God, we see that as part of the whole storyline of the Old Testament, Lord, and the sacrificial system and all the things that were there. But God, we are thankful that on the cross there was one sacrifice. God, and it was enough. It was more than enough, God, that it was a sacrifice sufficient where there are no more sacrifices that are needed. And it could only be the sinless, spotless Son of God, the Lamb of God. Lord, that in your providence, Scripture says, was slain before the foundation of the world. God, that in your plan, God, you worked and you God, you provided for us everything we need. So we thank you. And God, we pray, Lord, as we take this communion together today. God, that we could commune together. God, in unity. God, connected through your sacrifice and through the cross. Through the Spirit, God, the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the grave. That God has been sent to us as your people. God, a comforter that's with us. Lord, that as we, commun- as we take this communion together, Lord, that we... God, would be a beautiful picture of your bride proclaiming the cross, the death, the great sacrifice until you return. Father, we love you, Lord, and we thank you so much for loving us, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll take that wafer from the top, if you'll take the bread. Scripture says that when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's see. Thank you, Jesus. The Scripture continues and says, And in the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us drink. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Come, Lord Jesus. Thank you so much for being a part of just this special time today as we, as we worship our great God. And we want to leave here worshiping. I'm so thankful that in the midst of the hard times in our life, that even when we don't understand all those things that are around, and there are some things that we won't understand until... Uh, eternity, and I believe when we are uh, in the presence of our great God, we probably, uh, some of those things that, that seem so so brightening and so important will seem vaguely dim in the light of His presence. But there are some things that we won't fully understand until we are in His presence. But until then, we trust and know that He is sovereign and that He is working and that He loves us. He's demonstrated that to us in the cross. And so we're going to worship together. We want to invite you to do that, and we're going to worship as we uh, as we depart today, uh, may we leave worshiping, may we uh, proclaim uh, his death, uh, not only in the communion that we take and in the remembrance that we celebrated and, and, and took part in today, but in the words of our lips and the actions of our lives as we live on mission for the glory of his name. God bless you. We love you.